Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hola socios, hola equipo. My name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Nurnberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Morey Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh. Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I'm a socio of the big interview. My name is Neil. I'm originally from Scotland, but now living in Barcelona. Hey, why did I become a socio? Well, you could reference uh, Mr. Hunter's knowledge and access to some great football characters, but I'm going to go for his exceptional use of swear words. He really seems to strike the right chord. They're not overused. <laughs> As a Scotsman, it's something I uh, really value. My favourite interview of the season, I'm going to go for Kevin Kilban. He came across as a really open, honest, funny and down-to-earth guy. In general, seemed like the sort of person you could happily sit down, have a pint with him and just listen to his stories. From Backpage, I'm Martin Gregg and this is a big interview at the World Cup. We're recording this moments after the final whistle of the 2018 World Cup final. France 4, Croatia 2. France World Cup champions for the second time in their history, 20 years since their last one. To dissect a remarkable match, we're joined by host of the big interview, Graham Hunter. Graham, that was a World Cup final that had a bit of everything, possibly the best I can remember. A two-goal winning margin in that second half display by France. Class shone through in the end. But if I was a Croatia fan tonight, I would also feel a bit hard done by. And possibly, uh, if they got the breaks at the right time, they could they could have been world champions. Yeah, I'm not I'm not buying that. You know, like you, I thrilled to the way Croatia play. I think we can get over this four million people thing. You know, it's true, and it was true when they were. Qualifying it was true when they were good in Euro '96. It was good in France '98. Four million was equal as a population was equally true when they couldn't get out of groups in tournaments. It's just I don't like that at all. It, it, it's it's a fact. It's something that we can be processing as a stamp for the smaller countries that the size of population needn't be a determiner for where you can reach in tournaments. But Holland had showed us that, Uruguay had showed us that, Iceland had showed us that, time and time and time again. And in this instance, you know, football's a cruel sport. And as attractive as Croatia were in the final, as much as they played for chunks of the game better, even better football than they had against England and against Russia, and certainly, you know, light years ahead of how they played against Denmark, I still believe that the stuff I was listening to in the analysis on television where at halftime there was 
outrage about decisions going against them because they were so plucky and because they were so brave and entertaining and because they were the better side in the first half. There's no question about it. And it's really interesting. One of the first things Griezmann said post-match having won, I'm so happy, I, I don't know where I am. But he admitted that Croatia started better, that France were timid. We'll come back to the decisions in a minute because, you know, I, th- I thought there's no question about the penalty, that it was a right decision. But there's also no question that the better side won overall. Did they have more of the ball today? No. Were they quite as, as daring in their overall passing or their offensive offering? No. But I have a huge amount of respect for any side that can score four times in a World Cup final, that can make the decisions that, that Deschamps took Tactically, he posed questions that I think were really intelligent given what state Croatia were in. And while I genuinely, fully enjoyed how Croatia played and was, I had my fingers crossed that they might get back into the game at half time or even at 4 2. And, and I was thrilled that it didn't end up 4 1. I was thrilled that Mandzukic got his goal. You know, Chris and I, you heard us talking yesterday about the way in which this guy continually comes up with things because of attitude, because of experience, because of today, an unwillingness to let a dead ball go um, when there should have been nothing there. Crumbs for him, not even crumbs, at 4-1 down and chasing down a ball that Joris had plenty of time to just get rid of if he wanted to not do anything intelligent with it. Just say, listen, we're 4-1 up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hoof this. Didn't. And Mandzukic never once, never once looked... As if scoring an own goal, the first ever to do it in a World Cup final. He may not have been conscious that he was first ever. But, you know, what a warrior that, that nothing about your demeanour, nothing about your attitude, no shoulders slumping, and, and in the equalising goal, his movement um, to, to get in front of both Pogba, who kind of shies away, and then Umtiti, who doesn't realise Mandzukic is coming, when um, Vasalico heads it back across... And Mandzukic gets in there. That's the warrior. That's the the guy who says there's no such thing as a lost cause. Heads it back for Brozovic. And then, you know, the goal from Perisic is gorgeous. On that goal game, I mean, do you think... Is that kind of straight off the training ground? Because obviously it looked like quite a kind of pinpoint cross from Modric and then the, the, the run from Vasalko and then the ball kind of gets worked across. But, I mean, it looked as if there was a bit of strategy in there, but also a bit of improvisation. When you look at the take... I think you're you're obviously spot on in that Rakitic, I think, runs over it and Modric puts it back post. Versalico is making that late run and I th- all I would interpret, and it's guesswork, so I'm, I'm happy for the Croatian media or players to, to tell me I'm wrong, that Versalico's role in, in theory in the training ground is that when he comes onto that sort of back post-ish is to nod it across goal so that Mandzukic, yeah. if you look at where he runs, instead of having to wheel and run and get in front of Titi, I think the idea that if Versalico puts it across goal... Um, and Zukic can wheel to his right instead of his left and run onto it, run onto the penalty spot and nod home, or maybe Lovren can nod home. But, you know, it's clear, that's what I really liked about it, Martin, that it's, it was training ground, it, but when it doesn't quite work, it's not hands in the air and go, well, whoa, it, it was supposed to be A plus B equals C. When A and B don't equal C, Mandzukic is alive, and anybody who wants to go back and re-watch, not how the goal comes, and Paris... Okay, the the Brozovic touch is really important too, but Perisic's right foot shuffle onto his left is gorgeous. So the whole thing, you know, my respect, given your point, you thought on on another day, in other circumstances, maybe Croatia were world champions. My respect for them goes up gigantically, and they gave us one of the most entertaining World Cup finals ever, 
possibly. I mean, I remember clearly watching Argentina West Germany in the Mexican World Cup and thinking that for a little while it underwhelmed despite the five goals. And it wasn't until the, the late replies from West Germany and then I'm pretty sure that Maradona wheels in midfield and sends away the, the winning goal scorer. It was a game to match that at very least. And it was fabulous. And it, it nestled beautifully into context of the way that the World Cup has been full of enormous tactical advances, tremendous um, willingness to have open games, goal scoring that we will talk about. There, there's a panoply, just a, a whole array of different types of goals where you could hardly pick the best goal. And it's about what you favour rather than what is technically a better goal than another goal. And and we got another one today because that Croatian goal was, was sensational. And in fact, so was Pogba's. But the, the first thing that strikes me, Martin, is that it was just a joy to watch, that it was a World Cup final whereby we can be... Anybody who loves football and who's a neutral, who doesn't carry red and white or uh, red, white and blue colours... We can say thank you for crowning the World Cup. We can say thank you for showing kids all over the world what technique is about. We can say, you know, thank you to a, a brilliantly staged World Cup. You know, it seemed like a perfect stadium. I personally thought that the referee did exceptionally well. And, and I enjoyed the, the chutzpah, I enjoyed the daring, uh, the cajones that was shown right throughout the the match. It was it was absolutely fabulous, from brilliance to clownishness. If you if you think about poor old Joris, you know I think he he's been so good. He's the keeper of the tournament, I think. And if you think about it, I th- there was a case to be made that he might be third in the golden ball running until. Pfft, that one's going to cost him a little bit, no? Yeah, I mean, I think I would qualify that remark, you know, on another day, they could have been world champions. I just felt Croatia had put so much into the game that, you know, when I was sitting looking at that 4-1 scoreline, I thought, you know, that's, that's I would feel really sore if I was a Croatia fan at that point. But I think even uh, as the first half elapsed and, and, you know, they had this high press and they were doing so well and they had their noses in front and you just thought, yeah, they're really going to make a game of this. I did think at the same time, how are they going to sustain this for 90 minutes? And you just know that France are going to come. You know that 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 class is going to start shining through at some point. And, you know, that second half performance, you just just have to take your hat off to it. When we talked so well about the maturing of Pogba and and simply because... um, the fact he's a world champion and he showed a broader palette in this World Cup than he has for Manchester United. And he's also shown a different style because he tended to be, at Juventus, he tended to be wide over three and slightly more creative, slightly more driving the game, um, taking people on when he was on the ball. So I think that this has been generally... A high point of his career, club or country, but there's you know there's absolutely no doubt that he has still has refinements to make. You saw him late on missing an open goal, but on top of the thing that's made him a dominant player in this World Cup, the platform that um, he and Kante provide in midfield, to think about watching a dropping ball and chopping it with his right foot for what would you call it, thirty five meters maybe 40, straight into Mbappe's path, cutting through uh, the Croatians and, and setting up the goal. But all over the world, there are kids watching that who will want to mimic Rakitic and Modric or 
um, Perisic's running and, and Mandzukic's wiliness and um, Kante's energy. Um, we will think like Deschamps and think, look at the way that Deschamps used um, Matuidi, not as a roaming free player to burst forward, but it, Deschamps went, we're a better 11 than them. Although, you know, for half an hour they weren't showing it necessarily, but they, they are in terms of outright ability. There's no question in my mind that they're a better 11. And he said the odds will favour us if we take away one of their good creative players, which is Versalico. And he put Matuidi straight in front of him, um, in front of Lucas, and said to Versalico, you're not being allowed to overlap and you're not going to have space to cross like you did against England for Perisic to score. And it worked. I think Versalico maybe had one interesting cross all day and Deschamps betted that Matuidi was in better physical shape, that Versalco wouldn't overlap, couldn't get past Lucas and Matuidi. And those that say that's negative, well, I disagree. But my point is that young coaches, young players, boys and girls, watching the technique on show, the intelligence, the daring on show, will go out and mimic it. And to me, that's been the best thing about this World Cup, that there, there are so many positive things for those who are learning to go and mimic I'm certain that from both Belgium's performance and style and attitude towards football, Croatia's, uh, France's, and we'll set England aside because we spoke so much about them so far. I see benefits. I see ripples in the pond. I see it being positive. And if anybody's, you know, old enough to remember the, the nature of, for example, the 1990 final, which was a disgrace to football, boring stultifying, risk-free, aggressive, nasty, just dull. You know, you would reject it. You would say, you know, it's a, if you were in a factory, you say, it's a bad sample, put it in the bin, start again. Same for 94. Too hot, too slow, penalties, badger humiliated. A good side won, but a bad final. And what we're seeing, I think, is a tournament now which owes a great deal to the Champions League for the way in which players' mentalities, fitness, tactics, technique have all developed in that laboratory of the Champions League. It's a reason that Mbappe can be so so made, so so thorough, so so advanced at age 19. And what will happen from this tournament and from that final is good messages will be spread all around the world where people step onto a pitch to learn about football or to practice football. Let's go back to the start and talk a little bit about the first goal, obviously. Mandzukic, a bit unfortunate, goes up to win it and then just flicks it into his own net. Did you think it was a free kick? I did I did think that Griezmann's left foot was stood upon. I think in the Champions League we get used to referees saying, yeah, I saw that touch. There's such a change from what is permitted now and was permitted 5, 10 and 15 years ago. Each of those you know, landmarks were different in terms of contact. It's 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 something that people can debate, and I don't mind if people say no. I I thought there was a touch. It's it's standard now, and I did think that Griezmann didn't cheat. But when the ball comes in, if you go back to the 80th minute, there was a moment when Croatia had an attacking free kick, and France did exactly what Croatia didn't do. They held a line just, and I mean just in. Let's call it on the penalty box, on the yeah, on the outside, on the big box line, and therefore there's this cavern of space. Whereas if you deliver it brilliantly onto somebody's run, then fine. But if you put it into that cavern of space, the keeper can see everything, can come forward, can challenge for it. And if you drop it short, your centre halves get up and get it away, or Mandzukic gets up and gets it away. So that was sloppy, don't you agree? 
Yeah, totally. I thought even they were far too deep. Um, couldn't believe that they allowed themselves to sit that deep in that situation. And that's, that's I, I swear, you know, did they suddenly put on a team of duds for four minutes there? Or is that the same team that admittedly, while they've conceded free kicks earlier in the tournament, it wasn't about who outjumped whom. It wasn't about an unmarked Frenchman. It was about something that was as basic as Lovren and Vida and Mandzukic would have learned when they were 15. And that's, to my way of understanding it, that's World Cup tension. That's disorganisation. That's a, a, a not paying attention to a basic thing and not having a commanding voice saying, this isn't the line, because it's the World Cup final, because the blood is rushing through their heads, because they've had a really good opening and they know they're on top. And, you know, they have a, they have a brain fart. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of loss of composure, probably after feeling a level of injustice about the free kick as well. But that that has to vanish instantly. You know, they need to regroup and, and get behind it and, and move on. So, yeah, it was quite a, a, a lapse of judgment in, in, in that context, for sure. And that's why I go back to, I, I didn't see a, a gigantic amount of protest over the free kick. But if they've made the mistake um, because they're still annoyed about the referee... And then they go 1-0 down and it's an own goal and they know they've defended badly. Then, you know, how is it that each of them completely shrugs that off and then shows exactly the mentality of champions whereby it doesn't matter that we're 1-0 down, we'll play exactly the same way. I didn't think there was much doubt about the free kick that they won. We've talked about the, the tactics involved. And, you know, this, this, this Perisic, whether it was disinformation or it was true whether he's sitting in the dressing room crying right now with one leg hanging off, this was a guy who wasn't going to make it. And yeah. by the time that the the cleverness of touch from Mandzukic, and then I'm sure it was Brozovic, he comes to, to Perisic just to shuffle that off the inside of his right boot onto his left and to get the, the half volley so perfectly was I thought it was just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, and it ranks up there. My favourite goal of the tournament, we might talk about this when we close the whole show off tomorrow, but my favourite goal of the tournament, by a distance, is the thinking football played by Belgium in the last minute against Japan when Courtois grasps and De Bruyne is already running and screaming and he's in space and his run is timed to the right distance and his release ball is absolutely perfect down the right and Lukaku's dummy is unselfish and intelligent and Chadley's there to score I thought that was a team goal of of brilliance and wit and that's the football I want to see played at any stage of a game but bloody hell in the last seconds but you know for me Perisic's goal is going to get up there and rival it and I think it was more difficult to score than the, the, the beauty of I've got no bones in saying that Pavard's volley over Nacho's volley is aesthetically more pleasing. I'm not sure if it's more difficult or not, but it comes cleanly from one of his own players, Lucas, rather than, you know, Nacho's, there's a degree of luck in how it lands to him. But to me, that the way in which that equaliser is constructed, the circumstances, how they must have been feeling, brilliant. And now you, you're in a privileged position, or not, of knowing exactly what I feel about the analysis of the 2-1 goal. Yeah, no, it's finally in that. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it was Kante that was facing up to Perisic in that situation as well. And just to have the presence of mind to shuffle that. And then it was quite a small shaft of space as well. There was quite a forest of, of bodies in there and just to arrow it right through. I agree with you. I, I'm not actually sure he saw space. 
I think he, he went, if I connect cleanly with this, the way in which bodies move in a crowded penalty box because people are anticipating, I think he intuited there was going to be space there rather than saw it. That's just a yeah, personal yeah. point of view. That's not a fact, that's a guess, but it was gorgeous, wasn't it? So it's just man- manufacture that yard for himself and then just try and hit it true. That was fantastic. And I was pleased for Perisic because he's been fantastic to watch this tournament. He has, and he's waged war on other teams. I think it's true to say... Um, that him and Rebic gave space to Brozovic and Modric and Rakitic to play because for large parts of the tournament, with also um, Versalico, less so strange, their willingness to attack fullbacks, to draw midfielders out wide, to hug the touchline, whether they cut in, whether they, they, they drop back into a five when they were in trouble, it still gave Rakitic and Modric seconds extra, metres extra. And therefore, their job wasn't just valuable for the way they scared the living daylights of some of their opponents and, and hacked at them. And, you know, Rebic came close, I thought, against England with the card and some of his challenges. But, you know, as Scots, we would recognise that kind of attitude and like it too. And, and they, gave the, they, gave the, they gave the gilded players in midfield room to do their things. VAR was, just had to play a part today. What, what did you make of it? Because it's, it's, it's highly debatable on social media, at halftime and the, and the analysis. And What was your take on it? I'm happy, first of all, to, to admit that when you get a call of that importance and difficulty, I'm, I'm happy with people saying, well, I don't think that's a penalty. That, that's fine. But when you see it initially, you can see, without any help, you can see hand to ball. Then if you want to get into deliberate or not, um, that's fine. And when you want to get into why did the referee not see it? Well, positioning, because he's positioned well for if the ball comes beyond the creation. But given that it's happened at an angle, it's bad and uh, Perisic's back is turned to him. He's not going to automatically see that. But he, here's my trouble. Um, you know, VAR is... is to be used for situations where something serious may have been missed. It doesn't have to be something that is blindingly obvious to, to prevent an outright injustice. It's when something serious has been missed. And what happens is that VAR tells the referee, we're reviewing this because there is a handball. Now, again, if somebody wants to say the distance between the two players, the defender and the attacker was such that I don't think he had time to react and make his handball deliberate. My view is that not only was there a movement of hand to ball, it was deliberate. It was instinctive and it was deliberate. If somebody disagrees with me, then they're entitled to the point of view and I don't want to um, fall out. But in terms of what happens next, one, it should go to VAR. Now, at that point, it's the referee who's told we're examining it. And then it's the referee, the Argentinian, who's told by the Italian at the head of the panel, we want you to come and have a look. Now, what I know, because I speak a bit of Spanish, is that the referee, before he turns back, is convinced and says, penal. Penal in, in Argentine and Spanish is penalty. And what happens when he goes back, it's not that he goes for another look, he's told by his, his colleagues in the technical booth, we've got one last look if you want to see it. So he turns back and has a look, because he's a smart guy who doesn't want to get it wrong and, and be told, well, you ignored the last look, and it was one where we proved it wasn't a penalty. So he goes back and have a look, because in his ear they're saying, there's one last look. It convinces him he's right, and he goes and gives the penalty. Now, in my view, one, he got it right. Two, what's evident is the system worked. 
immediately after the penalty goes in, and Griezmann, by the way, talks after the game about thinking about doing a Panenka, thinking about chipping the keeper, thinking about doing like Zidane does in 2006 against Buffon, thinks the better of it, has not just the weight hanging over his shoulders or Subasic not going back to his line very quickly, but he's got the memory of missing a Champions League penalty in Milan against Real Madrid and losing that final, hanging on his shoulders. So... He pumps it away quite nicely. You know, this is his game. I'm glad he gets man of the match, apart from the individual moments of brilliance that other players produce. For him to have drifted in a brilliant free kick, nobody's talked about the fact that Mandzukic nodding at home is because the free kick is flighted so well. And then creating the goal for Pogba and then scoring his penalty. Fair enough. Overall, I think that's man of the match. But immediately after the kickoff, about... 30 seconds later, Croatia have a stick-on chance in front of the other goal. There's no drama lost. There's no tempo lost. It's ebb and flow all over again. So from my point of view, that was a really satisfying example of how an incident can be forensically examined. And if people want to disagree with me or disagree with the referee, then that's fine. But the process was good. Well, let's kick off the Antoine Griezmann Appreciation Society, of which we are both founding members. And um, you, you talked about the, you know, the, the time taken to come to that decision. And, and you know, let's not forget that, that Griezmann's standing with the ball in his hand at that point, thinking that he's going to have to pot it from 12 yards. And, and he does so. It, he, I think he's a remarkable player. Um, I was really interested in the comments you made in, in yesterday's podcast about his positional awareness and how that's transmitted to... Uh, the role of Pogba in this World Cup. He is a player who doesn't... He's not going to capture the headlines that Mbappe has, but what a tournament he's had. I mean, you look at the stats, you look at the contributions today, never mind throughout the tournament. Remarkable. I think as well, if we're looking at Griezmann, we can't ignore the fact that domestically, once Diego Costa arrives, the second half of Griezmann's season is exceptional. They have a decent charge at the title. I think an acceptable charge at the title given how they'd started the season. And they finish above Real Madrid with Griezmann as their their totem pole, their leader. They finish above Real Madrid, for, I think for the f- second time since 1996, the other time being when they win the title in 2014. Griezmann has his DNA all over that. They go to the final of the Europa League. And if I'm not mistaken, both of the goals against Marseille and Lyon are his. He goes back to Lyon, he goes back to his hometown, the club where he was told he was too small and he wasn't good enough, goodbye. And he scores both in a European final. And he arses about with this decision about whether he's staying at Atletico Madrid or going to Football Club Barcelona, makes a video, keeps everybody hanging around, when it's pretty clear in the celebrations for the end of the season and the Europa League trophy that Griezmann is saying to the fans leave him alone, stop booing him, he's decided to stay. And Griezmann doesn't let this out, he he lets this carry on too long, he allows Piquet's video company to make a film of Le Decision and eventually he says that he's staying at Atletico Madrid, there's a huge row between Piquet and Barcelona about his company's participation in that. All these things seem to be, that thing seemed to be ill-judged and immature for a guy who you know, I want to talk about what a journey from 2012, when in October 2012, having beaten Norway 1-0 in a qualifying a playoff for the Under-21 Championships, he and Mvila and Niang, they head off from the north coast of France where their training camp is, simply because they've blowing beaten Norway 
1-0 at under-21 level. And they take a taxi, Mavinga, Mvila, Usam Ben Yedder, Griezmann and Mbai Niang, uh, who was then a Milan striker. They take a taxi the 270 kilometres to the Champs-Élysées in Paris to party the night away, drive back for breakfast, hope that their coach won't notice. They get caught out. The coach gets sacked for um, what is subsequently Eric Mumbarts is sacked because they lose 5-3 in Norway on the Tuesday and, and go out. And they're banned. Griezmann is banned for a year. And that's, you know... If you want to say that's nearly six years ago, that's a long time, then fine. But it's still a hell of a journey from a guy who made that decision, who was banned, who was tarred by the immaturity and stupidity of his decision and is now a leader and in the group of two, three, four most important players in France's second ever World Cup win. I, I like that story, Martin. I like that very much indeed. Kicking on from, from Griezmann, I think we can return a bit to Pogba and, and talk about the second half performance, talk about his performance through the, the whole World Cup. Give us a little insight into the evolution you've seen in his game. I, I don't know yet if we've seen an evolution, Martin. I don't mean to be pedantic. What, what I think we've seen is, is a change. Now, evolution is when he goes back to Manchester United and you and I are talking on the podcast or in the pub or when we're at one of our interviews and saying, look, he's still making the same good decisions. His positional sense is still as good. He still matters as much for Manchester United as he has been doing for France. Now, that, that isn't wholly in his power because, you know, it's absolutely clear that he and Mourinho do not see eye to eye. It's not, you know, it's it's not as if they're, there's no way back. It's not as if they're at, you know, daggers drawn. But there is a battle for whose word is, is law about how the midfield functions at United. Pogba certainly felt that his opinion was as valid as the manager's. And the manager hung him out to dry a couple of times to the press where he was like, look where he played him. What was the formation? Where's his favourite position? Look where I played him. And that, that's not healthy. So I, I honestly, without being a, an arse, an evolution will be something we talk about in three, four, five, six months if he's still doing that. And what we've seen, I think, is the possibility of a change in him as a person. I said to Chris, and I meant it, and I'm not sort of teasing people here, there are... A number of people around the training ground at Manchester United who, who feel that the, the level of noise and the behaviour and the I'm the cock of the walk either needs to be toned down in volume or the performances need to go up to match that. And that's not the Pogba that we've seen in this World Cup. He's He's loved by his fellow players. He's evidently really close with Mbappe, really close with Matuidi, really closer still with Griezmann. It's clear that Deschamps' authority and what Deschamps asked him to do is good enough for Pogba. So these are things that Manchester United, Mourinho particularly, but his fellow players at Manchester United need to latch on to. Because I think a guy like him, it's my opinion, needs to have the environment. He's not Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Beckham. Didn't matter what the environment was. Giggs. None of them once they'd been promoted, needed the environment to be lovey-dovey or to be told that they were 
playing well or to be told where they should play. They were tough as flint, as good as they were. The attitudes and the behaviour and the mindset and the toughness, that was, that, was comp- that was almost identical across each of them. And it's not for Pogba. It simply isn't. And therefore, he has been in an environment in, in France where he's supported, he's understood. Perhaps some of the cracks that, are, that exist in his game or his personality have been filled in by others who are willing to help him. And therefore, he's responded and made sure that he's never too far from Kante. And he plays a pass like that which, you know, I say again, is it, it, it deserves to rank. That, that ball off his right foot um, chopped so that it, it backspins a little bit so it doesn't go out of Mbappe's run. That, that's as good as any goal in the tournament. It's just brilliant. You know, I think it almost, you know, it marks him down. That's one of the, the great passes of all time. There, I've said it. I couldn't hold that in anymore because that's what I think it is. I think it's one of the great football passes. And therefore, these are the things that we knew could come when he was bought back. But the other things that you mark down as an evolution, I'd like to believe it's an evolution. I really would like to see that, believe that it's part of a process. And, in all honesty, if Jose Mourinho can't see that and can't get the best out of Pogba and build that midfield to make sure that Pogba gives this level, then it's a black mark against him. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Let's have a word on the golden boy Mbappe. Um, there was a moment of almost high comedy, actually, where he screeched away from Vida. And, and Vida, I think, subtly fouled him about four times. He just he kind of kept pawing at him. And every time you pawed at him, he'd take like a, a, a tiny bit of momentum away from it. And it wasn't quite enough for the ref to give a penalty. But you, you're kind of waiting for him to have his moment. And just when it came, you know, three touches, what a remarkable moment it was. Yeah, nice by Lucas, I think. Nice by Lucas to be aware that there was that the moment was right to be that far forward. Nice choice, but tough, tough hard work by Lucas to turn and, and make space for a pass. 
And what I like about the, the teams that you and I praise, Croatia included, and England lacked it in the final two games, is when you have the ball in a position whereby you can take a creative risk, it might not look a huge creative risk for Lucas to come inside. And, and at that stage, there's no ignoring that um, Dalic will say Brozovic should have been there. Mbappe is standing in a position that isn't his, that he hasn't been taking up during the match. That's effectively the Griezmann position there. So he's been either allowed to go by his own marker, and if the fullback doesn't want to go across the pitch with him, and that's not Dalic's instructions, then fine. And this might sound over harsh, but there is no question he's in an ocean of space. And the point that the um, centre-half, who I think is Vida, doesn't want to go too tight for him because Mbappe can then take a touch onto the ball and poke it past him and, and go past him and probably score, I get. But, you know, it's not a one-man job to mark space like that. There is a, there is probably a Brozovic, maybe a Modric, not in that space when, when Mbappe picks the ball up. But Lucas takes something of a risk. If that ball is intercepted as he puts it across, he's a left-back who's out of position. It's a time when France are in the ascendancy, but it's only 3-1. They don't want an immediate counter against them. I just like the fact that that was the, the natural pass for him to play. He played it correctly. And when Mbappe sizes it up, every five-a-side player has scored that goal, right? You use the player in front of you as a shield. And I'm waiting for David Priest to tell me about Subasic's both his position, where his weight was, and why it is when um, Mbappe's going on to his right foot, Subasic is moving to his left. Now, because at that stage, Mbappe needs to open his body up and, and you know, finish like Cavani, which Subasic has got time to see coming. So I think without being cruel, I think the Croatian keeper, when he's making a move to his left, is probably making a misjudgment because he's got time to understand if it's going there. And therefore, he's on his wrong balance. And Mbappe knows it. He can see the movement. He can see there's a gap. You know, it's the type of ball that if we'd see it, in the replay, we'd seen it going through Vida's legs, we would have been not surprised because that's what it felt like. It, it doesn't have to. But his vision, his timing, his balance, the, the, the nonchalance of what to do in a World Cup final when you're 19 is, is a glory. And I, and I say again, you, you don't learn that by playing in front of uh, 12,000 people uh, Monaco against Nice. You learn that partly through having a brilliant temperament. It's patently clear that his character matches his ability. He, he's different gravy, um, this guy, in terms of what behaviour we are going to see from him, what decision-making we're going to see from him. All through last summer, I was being informed that his people were telling Manchester City and Roma did, unless you make room for us, we want this wage, but unless you make room for us, we're not coming. He wants to play. And that was backed up by the quote just before the World Cup final, wasn't it? When somebody talked to him about the Ballon d'Or, and he said, forget the Ballon d'Or, I want the World Cup. I want to win the World Cup. Never mind the Ballon d'Or. Now, that might seem natural to you and me and to the listeners, but it's it's not, you know, we could name footballers that don't feel like that. And you love him for it. And I do believe that he's a product of the early exposure that Monaco are willing to give. Uh, so Jardim, um, chapeau. Well done for your work with him at Monaco. Uh, Unai Emery, the new Arsenal boss, has to say, I helped blood that lad. I helped show him. I helped develop him. Maybe that was going to happen with you know, players like Cavani and Neymar around him, but Emery has got a tiny glimmer of 
the improvement that Mbappe has shown over the last year that's taken him to be world champion age 19, that's taken him to a statistical performance that's in the region of Pelé. And therefore, you know, it's a palette of many, many colours, but it's a beautiful picture. It was a performance that reflected his temperament, I think, as well, because obviously Croatia had a game plan and he didn't run riot. He had to wait for his moments and he got two or three, but he took them, you know, or he took he took the one that counted. I agree, and I think that there will be performances coming over the next season, two seasons, three seasons, that look more like his performance against Argentina, where there's more space, where it's less tactical, where there are fewer players... Of of outright character and attention, and um, there'll be games which are important but aren't don't carry the weight of a World Cup final, where he'll rip people to shreds. I, I've got no question about that whatsoever. Long before he reaches full maturity as a striker, so you know, God bless doctors and physios. Please keep him free of injury, and. You know, I'll be fascinated to see whether Paris Saint-Germain complete his £180 million purchase, which is currently still only a loan. You can't see any result other than that now. And the switch in importance to Paris Saint-Germain between Neymar and Mbappe seems to me to be, you know, like a seesaw with a heavyweight at one end and a kid at the other. Um, it's not that you don't want, if you're Paris Saint-Germain's coach, hello Thomas Tuchel, or owners, that you don't want both of them plus Cavani up front if you can possibly have that. But there's no question now who, if you if you felt the pressure of fair financial fair play, there's no question who you would sell now. Absolutely none. Let's round off by talking about Deschamps. I think he joins the Gallo and Beckenbauer in having won World Cups as a player and a coach. There's been lots of little tactical decision-making that's not been immediately apparent till you maybe go back and have a, a closer look and you see what he's done. But it's just carried France through this tournament and, and he made two or three calls today that you just thought, ah, that's interesting. But he's a guy that you really have to look closely at to fully appreciate. Well, I accept that and I think that he is... You know, he's a Basque and his character is both stern and strong. He's a guy who, as I listened to Desai explaining the other day, will walk away from any project when he doesn't feel absolutely and completely in control. And therefore, I'm willing to bet that he will be, occasionally, he'll be a hard guy to work for, work with, and a hard guy to manage if you are the guys paying his salary. And, you know, there were times when he took over when France didn't look like necessarily qualifying for tournaments. The fact that they were hosts of 16 took away a competitive necessity, yet they became competitive. And if you look back now, if you go back and sit and watch um, the 120 minutes of Euro 16's final, It'll be patently obvious that France deserved to win that game on creativity, on chances, on carrying the ball forward into dangerous areas and partly didn't have the character, partly didn't have the luck, didn't have (laughs) an own goal and a penalty, didn't have Mbappe at this age. Therefore, you know, there are a lot of things to say, but it, it means that his two tournament record, I think, is quite good. 
I think that the way in which he stripped out people who he didn't believe in, who he didn't like from his squad, compared to this one, who he's promoted, the place that he's, the trust he's put in the two full-backs, both Lucas and Pavard are, are amongst the, the top group of performers for France. It's a fact that in the pre-tournament friendlies, the French press, just as they were attacking Amy Jacquet and his squad in 98, and, and you have to remember that there were games in 98 where France didn't look impressive. They, If you want to contrast France-Paraguay, for example, or France-Saudi Arabia with the, the France-Denmark game in this tournament, there are parallels. Yet Deschamps has had the complete understanding and faith of his group, of his players. There hasn't been anybody bitching and mourning. He dumped uh, Karim Benzema out, and Benzema's been quick to um, put out a, a tweet, you know, saying, you know, well done, lads, world champions. Um, immediately, no peace between him and, and Deschamps. But they dumped talent like that, and, and Payet lost out in Koscielny, and he didn't have Kingsley Coleman, and still won. And I like his efficiency. I like the fact that he knows how to build a group. His loyalty to the players that are loyal to him is great, but he's brutal. Like um, before him, Raymond Dominic was about those who he doesn't think are for him or, or are up to the task. I don't think that he's going to necessarily remain universally popular simply because he's won this tournament, because he's a tough guy. And, and he says and does things that other people don't like and don't agree with. It's been the magic remedy for this one. I said in an earlier podcast, you could tell when France beat Uruguay, we've got two more big games. We are here to win. This is not enough. Our mission continues. It was a mantra. Sometimes you, you hear squads, and, and the power of words to people who haven't been around football, people laugh at them sometimes. But I remember Spain saying that after the 1-0 defeat to Switzerland in 2010, Arbaloa cut through the horrible atmosphere in the dressing room when they'd lost that first game. This isn't the end. This is just the beginning. We go on from here, shouting and ranting and screaming. And people took it up in that dressing room as a rallying call. They should have been paper words. They should have drifted away in the in the evening wind. And they didn't. And that's been the same here again. Does he always, does his team always play the type of football, I can't speak for you, that I always want to see? My frank answer is no. It's good enough when you're winning a World Cup. It's good enough when you don't want to give things away. But I'd like to see a France team that evolves now. I know that the players have been saying his attitude to them and his attitude to the type of football they were allowed to play changed after the Argentina game. Less harsh, less critical, more relaxed, day by day, but also in team tactics. Maybe you saw some of that today, Martin, because there was a point at 2-1 where in previous games in the tournament, Deschamps would have said, put the shutters down. And they didn't. Yeah, yeah. They didn't. Mm -hmm. So, fair play. Yeah, they're a very young team as well. I didn't realise until I was actually looking through the, the, the profiles of the squad today that, you know, they've got... Do you know that only Brazil in 70 has won the tournament with an, a lower average age team ever? That's really encouraging for, for the next two or three major tournaments. Then. That's our show and that's the World Cup, but we're not done yet. Stay tuned for a final World Cup social Q&A. If you would like to submit a question of your own, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and sign up now. For now, Graham Hunter, thank you very much for your time. Dosvidanya. Mr. Martin Gregg, Dosvidanya for the moment, or uh, bonne nuit, bonjour, merci. Can I just say to our sponsors and to our listeners, to you, to Chris and to Neil, like, thank you all. It's, it's been an extra special experience 
trying to assimilate and digest a World Cup and talk about it. But people's feedback has been encouraging, heartwarming. Uh, for those of you who've enjoyed it, thank you very much. For everybody else, send in a question or direct me what you want less of. But I really appreciate you all being there and it's been a much more fun experience for me. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.